welcome in everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And just, <laughs> man, does anybody else, is it just me? Is it just me or does anybody else feel like they need a cigarette after after what just happened oh dude it was so good it was so good oh finally we had a full day of nfl football all you know we got we had DraftKings going tvs watching football on tablets trying to keep everything you're trying to watch everything i could it was, it was just so good it was so good i'm so happy that we made it to football season I'm so happy that it seems like these you know, organizations and stadiums are trying to do what they, whatever they can to ensure that we get a full season. That's all I want. That's all I want right now. Like, I'm not thinking about what's going down in November. I just want the full football season. That's it. That's it. I just want football. Deal with everything else after that. Uh, we've made it. We're finally here. Week one is in the books and we are going to be basically, I've been, I was taking notes all day as these games were going on, writing down what stood out to me. And, you know, it's stuff that uh, some of the stuff it's going to seem like I'm patting myself on the back, but it's just something that I noticed and it's something that I speculated on and I just wanted to kind of highlight and pay attention. I just want to pay attention to it to see if these trends continue. And not everything that I'm going to bring up was a previous take that I had and I mean, I'm going to bring up a big one that I was actually pretty wrong about, <laughs> at least after one week. Um, as of one week, it seems like I was pretty, pretty wrong about something. <laughs> um, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. What stood out to me in week one? This is for all the goofy movie people out there. nothing that I wouldn't do if it was giving you to notice. Yep, that's standout from a goofy movie because we are diving into what stood out in week one. Let's start with the Thursday night game. And I'm not breaking down every single game these you know not not every game had something that really stood out to me so starting in week one or thursday night clyde edwards hilaire 25 carries i don't think anybody was projecting 25 carries and you know the chiefs got up i assume a lot of people would have projected Daryl Williams to get some run, had, you know, if the Chiefs built up a lead, but that wasn't the case. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire was in there and man, that dude looks shifty. And I want to, I, I want to take the time to give credit because I do reference, you know, speed score a lot on this podcast. And I've referenced Clyde Edwards Hilaire's poor speed score on this podcast before, but it's something that needs to be said. And I've brought it up several times, even with some of my guests, you know, sometimes these football players don't test well at the combine, but they're just good football players. You know, I've mentioned, I've brought up CJ Anderson on this podcast for Christ's sake. Um, but no, Clyde Edwards Hilaire just looks shifty out there. He's got great vision, um, good instincts, and he's just quick, good at making people miss. Um, it was impressive. He put on an impressive show. I'm not worried about what happened to the goal line. Like, it's random. Stuff like that's random. Nick Chubb had trouble with the goal line last year. Or does anybody think Nick Chubb is actually a bad goal line back? No. It's just sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, I just think I think it's encouraging that Clyde Edwards Hilaire was getting those looks. I think he'll be fine. Anybody that shifty at some point is going to score some goal line touchdowns. I don't care. Not... Not every goal line touchdown is running somebody over. What's, but what stood out to me, apart from the carries, was no receptions for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on two targets. Darrell Williams was getting some targets. It's, it's really confusing. I don't know why. I'm assuming it's just a fluke because that's obviously... Well, I was going to say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's Clyde Edwards best attribute is his pass-catching ability, but... It might be 1A with his, you know, shiftiness and wiggle in, in space. David Johnson stands out to me a little bit. Obviously, had a good game. But he had three catches on four targets. Now, Carlos Hyde, the reason that there's been a narrative all offseason that Deshaun Watson doesn't target his RBs. I mean, Carlos Hyde had 10 catches on 16 targets total in 2019 David Johnson goes out and gets three catches on four targets in the first game so that that seems like a positive to me it's not otherworldly numbers but that's fine if you're getting you know you got David Johnson sometimes likely as your RB3 if you're gonna get you know if three target or if three catches is your floor you're gonna be completely fine with that here's one that at least as of now, I mean, I, I realize it's just one week. But I'm feeling pretty good about it. Nick Chubb, 10 carries, 60 yards, one reception on one target for six yards, and a fumble. Kareem Hunt, 13 carries, 72 yards, and four receptions on six targets for nine yards. So... Nick Chubb gets 11 total touches, 11 total opportunities. Kareem Hunt gets 17 total touches, 19 total opportunities with, you know, the targets and carries combined. He got eight more opportunities than Nick Chubb did. And I've brought this up. I've brought this up on the show. This was always a possibility. This was always... I mean, maybe not getting eight more opportunities a game, but them splitting this workload 
was always a probability. And, you know, I had an interaction with someone on Twitter last week that, you know, brought up, oh, well, Kevin Stefanski, he runs one running back. You know, we saw it last year. Yeah, well, which one of these players stylistically profiles closer to Dalvin Cook? Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt? Of course it's Kareem Hunt. They're they're incredibly comparable players, at least stylistically. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I realize Nick Chubb is great. I realize Nick Chubb is a great runner of the football. I've never said he wasn't. I've never took anything away from Nick Chubb's talent. That's not the reason for the fade of Nick Chubb. The fade of Nick Chubb was always because Kareem Hunt is great too. Kareem Hunt's awesome. He was so good in Kansas City. He's a former rushing champion. Like, oh, well, you know, he was only good because he, I mean, yeah, he was good, but he was in Kansas City. Like, okay, great. I mean, how many, how many rushing champions has Kansas City produced? Okay, the fact of the matter is, yeah, he was awesome. He was in Kansas City, but he was better than the other running backs that have been in Kansas City because he's a good player, because he can run between the tackles, because he can get involved in the passing game, because he's a good player. He's every bit as good as Nick Chubb is. He may, he may not be as good a pure runner as Nick Chubb, but when you factor in his skill in the receiving game, he's every bit the player that Nick Chubb is, and it shouldn't be surprising to anybody. It's certainly not surprising to me. And if you've listened to this program for any kind of extended period of time, you've probably heard me talk about these two players, and it shouldn't be surprising to you either that Kareem Hunt what I mean got eight more opportunities than Nick Chubb. Okay, eight more is a little surprising, but the fact that Kareem Hunt was there, you know, a lot of people are projecting Nick Chubb to get twice as many carries as Kareem Hunt. I've seen it. Everybody that I've interacted with on Twitter has Nick Chubb projected for twice as many carries as Kareem Hunt. I realize we're in week one. I realize it was negative game script. And that game profiled better for Kareem Hunt's skill set. But I'm sorry, Kareem Hunt got more carries. <laughs> you know, if that if that game was in any way, shape, or form indicative of what Cleveland's plan is to run their offense, everybody that drafted Nick Chubb in the first round, late first round, early second round, is going to be sorry. Especially if you're in a dynasty startup because Kareem Hunt signed his extension. He signed an extension. He's going to be there for, what, four more years? Kareem Hunt's not going anywhere, and he is as good a player as Nick Chubb. So sorry about you, Nick Chubb owners. I'm sorry. You know, I hope as of right now, I hope none of you drafted Nick Chubb on your team. And I hope it was because of me. I hope you took somebody else in place of Nick Chubb. Um, in that same game, JK Dobbins was getting carries near the end zone, converted two of them into touchdowns. Now, obviously, we should expect efficiency from Baltimore running backs in that area because of how much attention Lamar Jackson commands. But, you know, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram 
had almost identical usage. So, you know, J.K. Dobbins was lucky enough to fall into the end zone, or I shouldn't say fall into the, well, one time he did fall into the end zone, but, you know, J.K. Dobbins was lucky enough to be on the field to score the touchdowns, but I don't know if this is going to be a very fun backfield for 2020. I love, for dynasty purposes, I love that they just went ahead and threw J.K. Dobbins in there, gave him some goal line work. It's great for the future. I'm, you know, I'm rising on J.K. Dobbins even more, especially for Dynasty. I think this is going to be a special pairing with him and Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown. Switching games, I want to talk about Russell Gage for a minute. 12 targets on 54 passing attempts. Now, the Falcons obviously aren't going to throw 54 passes per game, it's a ridiculous pace of 864 attempts over the course of a full season. But they will be a good bet to lead the NFL in passing attempts, and Gage could return some serious value if he's going to command a 22% target share. And here's what I don't get. Is I've put I've said on Twitter a couple of times over the offseason about why I'm so high on Todd Gurley, why I'm so high on the opportunity for Hayden Hurst. And it's because, you know, I've kept saying that there's no wide receiver three of consequence in Atlanta. And I've gotten responses as, you know, such as, um, aren't you forgetting about Russell Gage? Or my favorite, I, I got several that said, um, Russell Gage would like to have a word. Okay, you know what? Either this is a coincidence or you're all full of <laughs> You're full of it. Because I have Russell Gage in every single best ball league that I'm in. I'm talking 18th, 19th, 20th round. So, you know, I don't know if you guys, ladies, you know, Whoever was, you know, trolling me on Twitter, not trolling, that's not the right word for this, but whoever was combating me on Twitter, I hope you got Russell Gage. I hope you stuck to your guns because I did a lot of best ball drafts this year and I called Russell Gage, you know, not a wide receiver three of consequence a lot of times on Twitter and I got a lot of responses and I never had any problem getting... Russell Gage on my best ball teams and on a couple of dynasty teams. Um, in that same game, Chris Carson had six targets, <laughs> you know, two total touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. This could be something to, something to pay attention to if he's going to get regular work in the passing game, because this is another team that doesn't have a wide receiver three of consequence. No, I'm not calling Josh Gordon a wide receiver three of consequence, at least not yet. And I know Rashad Penny's return is imminent, but I don't know what that holds. I mean, this team clearly likes Chris Carson. They've fed him for a couple of years now, and he gets six targets in this game. Something that I think we should keep in the back of our minds. Switching over to the Colts-Jaguars game, Naheem Hines had eight receptions on eight targets, and... I mean, he had the two touchdowns, but I want, you know, 
I want to talk about getting those eight targets because that's huge. And I haven't talked much about Hines on this program because honestly, he's been wildly inefficient throughout his career. But I, I have to eat a little bit of crow because I mean, I was Naheem Hines was an afterthought for me because to me, he was the third most talented running back on the team. But if this is going to be the norm in Indianapolis, and he's going to get, you know, if he is going to be, if he's going to get the Austin Eckler workload, look, he's not as good as Austin Eckler. So he's not going to produce fantasy points like Eckler did. But that's going to be a good, a good flex play with a good floor. It's going to be like a James White-esque type player. And you got him, what, in the... 13th 14th round probably I'm not saying fire him up in your lineups in week two if you don't have to but you know if he's on your waiver wire I wouldn't mind a speculative ad it's something I'm going to be I'm going to be paying attention attention to next week for sure but you know where I may have missed on Heinz's upside in the passing game I do have to bring up my man, Jonathan Taylor. My man. My man. He only had nine carries for 22 yards, but this dude had six catches on six targets for 67 yards. This is a skill of his that I've been trying to bring to the surface all offseason. And, you know, it's, you know, it sucked. Maybe this is because, you know, Marlon Mack suffers an unfortunate injury. The Colts fear that it's a torn Achilles. I've not heard any confirmation on that as of yet. But this puts Jonathan Taylor in a position to be a true workhorse. And, you know, it does open things up for the aforementioned Naheem Hines. But let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we don't have to get extensive into it, but this dude caught six passes on six targets. This is what this was what I was dreaming of. You know, nine rushes for 22 yards? No. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want that. But six targets, six catches. This dude caught six passes in his first NFL game. That's huge. That's so huge. This dude, especially if Marlon Mack, if Marlon Mack is done for the year, if he tore his Achilles and he's done for the year and you've got Jonathan Taylor on your team, well, congratulations. Because... This is what Miles Sanders gave us at the second half of last year. But we're getting it in week two behind the best offensive line in the league. And we might have just won our leagues. You know I have Jonathan Taylor on a bunch of teams. And we might have just won our leagues. <laughs> um, on the flip side of that game, James Robinson gets 16 carries. And one catch on one target for 90 total yards. While Chris Thompson only had two catches on two targets for six total yards. And that's it. This is significant to me because 16 carries, that's, okay, that's not a ton. But let's bring it back to best ball. I got James Robinson, even after the Rykel Armstead news, I got James Robinson in the 20th round of my last two best ball drafts. If he's going to be getting 16 carries and 
you know, a, if he's going to get, if he's going to be getting 17 touches per game, that's a steal, especially in best ball, where you know if one of my running backs that I drafted early, you know, has a bad game or goes out, and I've got a guy with a solid floor that's going to get slotted in, that's big time. I'm, I don't know that I would say I'm excited about James Robinson, but it feels good to have him on most of my teams. Now, here's another one I'm excited about. My dude Cam Newton. I don't even want to talk about his passing attempts. This dude had 15 carries. 15 carries for 75 yards and two rushing touchdowns, man. My league-winning candidate at the QB position with 15 carries. And I don't want to focus too much on the touchdowns because you know those are just kind of a random bonus. But it looks like he's going to run as much as he ever did, as he ever has this season. So I hope you snatched him up as your late-round quarterback because... Cam's running. Cam is running. He's not going to stop. And he's going to produce fantasy points. Yeah, I know it's week one. I know it's the Dolphins defense. But, dude, 15 carries. Oh, the, the important thing to focus on, no, he's not going to score two rushing touchdowns every game. He's He might not score very many rushing touchdowns for the rest of the season. I get it. But the important thing is his, he's running. He's running the ball, and that's where our, you know, that's a huge floor booster, especially for late round quarterbacks. And I hope you got you all snatched him up. Let's move on to a different game here. <laughs> this is, I don't know what you would think of this. Adrian Peterson for the Detroit Lions had 14 carries. Three catches on three targets for a total of 114 all-purpose yards. And this probably isn't an outlier. It's probably something that should not be ignored because Adrian Peterson, get this, no joke, Adrian Peterson has had over 2,200 yards. Over 2,200 yards over the past two seasons. He's averaging 1,100 yards over the past two seasons. This is Adrian Peterson. I'm sorry, this dude still has gas in the tank, and he is not going away. I'm sorry to break the news to carry on Johnson owners. Sorry to break the news to DeAndre Swift owners. Adrian Peterson is here. And I'm not saying he's going to be the workhorse. This is not me getting fired up over thinking we got a free workhorse at the end of drafts. No. I mean, this is honestly, I'm just kind of excited. One, because... You know, I'm an OU Sooners fan, and Adrian Peterson is one of my favorite OU Sooners of all time. <laughs> but this dude just loves to play football. He got 17 touches today. And I mean, the dude's he's slowed down a little bit, but good Lord. <laughs> this guy is still doing it. I mean, he had 114 yards today. All purpose, like. That's awesome. It doesn't help that DeAndre Swift is dropping game-winning touchdown passes. Oh my gosh, that was brutal. Did if any if you if you guys didn't see it, there's I uh, I don't know 15 seconds left in the game or something. It's third down. Um the Lions are down by I think four. 
uh, DeAndre Swift is wide open. Matt Stafford throws the ball to him, and it hits him in the hands, and he drops it in the end. He's in the end zone, standing in the end zone. Hits him in the hands, he drops it, and the Giants lose. Um, shift over now to, you know, this is another, you know, slightly give it up to myself moment here. Um, but I want to talk about Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison's workload. Oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that because on my last episode, I speculated about the possibility that this workload could be a lot more even than what Dalvin Cook owners wanted to think. So let's break it down. Dalvin Cook has 12 carries, one catch on two targets, for a total of 48 yards. Now he gets the two touchdowns. And that, you know, that's great. He got the touchdowns. And he's probably going to get most of the touchdowns. That's that's fine. That's probably pretty obvious. But let's think about the workload. So 13 total touches on 14 opportunities for 48 yards. Alexander Madison has six carries, but four catches on four targets for 80 total yards. Okay, so Dalvin Cook scores the two touchdowns here, but he only out-touched Madison by three. And Madison had more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook had total yards. And I just wanted to bring this up because on my last episode, like I said, I did express the concern that these two backs could split opportunities much more evenly than the Cook owners wanted to think. And as of right now, I realize it's only week one. I I get it. That's it. I, I know that's in my head. But it's something that stands out, especially when there was a valid reason to speculate that that could be a possibility. Because it makes sense. Like I said, I tend to not think that players are injury prone. But I do think that NFL teams think players are injury prone sometimes and Dalvin Cook has been injured a lot every year and Alexander Madison looked good when given opportunity last year so it kind of makes sense that they would want to get Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison you know in there and involved and lighten the load on Dalvin Cook a little bit honestly if I'm being 100% honest I have not really looked at it yet but this coming week, I own Dalvin Cook in one Dynasty League now. I owned him in a few. I've sold him in the others, but I own Dalvin Cook in one Dynasty League right now. Um, you know, he's coming off the two touchdown game. He's coming off the news of his contract extension. This might be the highest Dalvin Cook's value is ever going to be from this point forward. Now, I'm not trying to sell him for pennies on the dollar, but. I will be shopping Dalvin Cook on the trade market this week. I, I'm going to be a little bit bummed out if I go into next week with Dalvin Cook on my roster. Basically, I'm going to try to get, you know, I probably won't be able to get a J.K. Dobbins, but if I can get a DeAndre Swift plus in Dynasty or a Miles Sanders plus or some, you know, something. Something along those lines. Those are just off the top of my head. 
that's probably what I'm going to do. You know, I would want quite a bit more, I think, with, you know, if I, I have a contending team in that league with Dalvin Cook. So I don't want to get, you know, DeAndre Swift plus a second round pick or something. That's that's just going to hurt my team this year. But, you know, it's a super flex league. So if I can work something out, you know, Dalvin Cook plus something for DeAndre Swift plus a Sam Darnold or something of those something along those lines, that's something I'm going to be targeting. Um, like I said, that's just off the top of my head. I'm going to try to work out the best possible deal, but I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I just want, I just want to say this stat one more time. Alexander Madison had more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook had all purpose, total all purpose yards. This might be happening. Now, let's switch games over to. And I've labeled him Peyton Barber, the soul crusher. He had 17 carries, no receptions on no targets, <laughs> 29 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Just sucking the life out of everyone who put Antonio Gibson in their flex or their RB2 spot, who only totaled nine rushes for 36 yards and two catches on three targets for eight more yards. I don't get it. Why? Why Peyton Barber? Why does he do this? Why do coaches do this with Peyton Barber? Like, Ronald Jones has an entire legion of enthusiasts that they had to watch Peyton Barber just destroy their lives for two seasons. Then Peyton Barber leaves. The Ronald Jones people are free until Leonard Fournette signed. <laughs> Now Antonio Gibson has some hardcore enthusiasts and Peyton Barber. We all know Peyton Barber's bad. Yeah, but 17 carries and two touchdowns. Why? Why is this happening? Get him off the field. He is not the future. This is a rebuilding team. Peyton Barber is not in your team's future plans. Get Antonio Gibson on the field and let the dude work. Good night. Um, all right. This one, this next one's gonna be. It's gonna be a little something. I teased earlier that I had a pretty wrong take, and like I said earlier with Nick Chubb, I said. I hope none of you drafted Nick Chubb. And I hope it was because of, at least not in the late first, early second. And I said, I hope it was because of what you've heard me say on these airwaves. Well, this one is quite the opposite. This one, I hope, Okay, let me just dive into it. Oh, I because ha I have to talk about. I have to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> this dude had fourteen catches, on sixteen targets, and oh 
My goodness, is my fate of this man not looking very good right now? Like I said, I hope, I hope whenever you all heard me fade Hopkins on these airwaves, I really hope your first thought was, but dude, you say he's the best wide receiver in the league every time you bring him up. You always say that talent rises to the top, that you always bet on talent. You know, and maybe, maybe I didn't take enough of my own advice. Maybe I was way wrong here. So I hope, I feel like whenever I've talked about DeAndre Hopkins, I have called him the best wide receiver in the league. And I hope that's what stuck with you all. And I hope you drafted him. I hope you drafted him. Because, you know, especially in a dynasty startup, you know, I still had Hopkins as my wide receiver five for Dynasty. You know, Kate Majuk from the Ball Blast podcast came on, and we ran through my rankings, and so I've got the receipts. He was my wide receiver five. So hopefully you were able to get him for that price in startups, but I feel genuinely, you know, not good, <laughs> at least for now, if any of you faded him in redraft based off of my fade. You know, and if you did... You know, I hope you got someone that's also going to work out so it doesn't sting too bad. You know, if you if you faded DeAndre Hopkins for Nick Chubb, that's on you. That's don't put that on me because I never I never condone drafting Nick Chubb in that range. Uh, now, switching over to, you know, speaking of the aforementioned Ronald Jones, let's talk about his teammate a little bit, Tom Brady. You know, looked pretty good early. Looked less good as the game went on, but yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about Brady's ability to produce fantasy points. That's gonna happen. He's gonna keep producing fantasy points. But what stood out to me is that he showed a propensity to air it out and throw the ball downfield. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how that works, right? You know, you upgrade your talent at wide receiver, and all of a sudden you can do more things. You know, I've talked about this several times. It's the David Johnson, Deshaun Watson corollary. It's the the James White slash Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton corollary. It's, yeah, you know, player X doesn't do, you know, thing Y, I guess. He doesn't throw, player X, quarterback X doesn't throw to position Y until he gets the requisite players to throw to that position. You know, like, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I'm going to bring it up with Cam Newton again. The same people, the same people that were fading Christian McCaffrey as a rookie because Cam Newton doesn't throw the running backs. We're now all over James White because Cam Newton throws the running backs. Yeah, well, of course, of course, of course he's going to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to throw the ball to Fozzie Whitaker. He's going to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Yes, he's going to throw the ball to James White. No, James White didn't have a great week one. But he's going to catch a bunch of passes. He's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but he's going to catch a bunch of passes. So, yeah, Tom Brady, when you got Mike Evans and you've got Chris Godwin and I guess Scotty Miller <laughs> running downfield getting targets. Um, yeah, Scotty Miller got some air yards today. Um, he, and you got a couple... Big, a big catch, a big pass interference call, too. Um, 
he looked like someone we might want to take a speculative look at for sure. But yeah, I'm sorry. People saying that Tom Brady is a bad fit in Tampa Bay because he doesn't throw the ball downfield. Well, no, yeah, no, he's not going to throw the ball downfield when his only target is Julian Edelman. But you replace Julian Edelman with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Well, then you're probably going to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Been saying it all off season, and as of one week, at least I was right week one. We'll see about the rest of the season, but I was right in week one. Um, in that same game on the same team, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette stood out because Ronald Jones racked up 17 carries and two catches on three targets for 82 total yards. Leonard Fournette was only able to tally five carries and one catch on one target for a measly 19 total yards. Now, I'm not going to rule out the possibility of this being the norm, but I'm still expecting Fournette to become more involved as he continues to progress in his knowledge of this system. I don't think you bring a running back of Leonard Fournette's caliber in to get five carries and one catch for 19 yards. Especially when your other running back, I mean, he got 82 yards. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's plenty respectable. But, you know, he just doesn't move the needle. It's almost like watching Peyton Barber out there, honestly. He's just, I'm sorry, at least today he didn't look special. He had a pretty sweet catch where he fell down and then jumped back up and was able to get some yards. But other than that, he just kind of looks like a grinder, an unexciting grinder. Um, the other side of the ball here, and Ronald Jones people, don't don't come at me. Don't come at me yet. If I end up being wrong in the long run, then sure. Uh, you can swarm you can swarm me like vultures on Twitter and pick at my flesh. That's fine. But as you know, I don't have the bandwidth for it right now. I don't. Because and it seems like I'm taking victory laps. I'm not. It's just these are things so I'm saving these notes and I'm going to be paying attention to them next week to see if they continue. You know, if Nick Chubb goes out and out-touches Kareem Hunt by 15, well, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to pump the brakes on what I just said earlier about the two. Um, but anyways, getting back on subject, Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. Kamara tallies 12 carries, 5 catches on 8 targets for a total of 67 yards, and 2, should have been 3 touchdowns, you know, I don't know if you saw the one of his that got reversed. You know, it was it was close. Maybe, you know, maybe they it was right that they reversed it. But you called it a touchdown on the field. And it was so close. I don't think there was definitive evidence. To me, it didn't look definitive. Anyways, it doesn't matter, I guess. I mean, unless you lost your matchup by less than six points, then it, yeah, then it matters. And you should be a little upset. <laughs> But Latavius Murray racked up 15 carries, so more carries, and no catches on one target for a measly 48 yards. But, you know, neither offered much in the way of yardage. But it is interesting to me that Kamara only had four more opportunities than Latavius Murray. Obviously, Kamara is going to be more efficient of the two backs, but it does seem as though Murray is going to be a thorn in the side, at least, of Kamara investors, at least for now 
Let's switch over to Mr. Joseph Burrow. He had a fairly pedestrian day passing the ball with only 193 yards on, you know, a respectable 23 of 36 passing with one interception. But what stood out to me was his eight rushing attempts for 46 yards and a touchdown. We like eight rushing attempts. If Joe Burrow is running the ball eight times a game and getting 46 yards, that's awesome. We don't need the touchdown. We love the touchdown. We want the touchdown, sure. But we don't need it. 46 yards is basically a passing touchdown. So if he's going to be able to get, you know, good yardage, maybe throw a touchdown, you know, and then rush for 46 yards, he's going to have a good floor. So it was just something that, uh, you know, stood out to me as promising because we heard about his rushing ability all off season and it was good that it was good to see it in action. His teammate, Joe Mixon, this dude only gathered one catch on two targets. That has to go up. We spent a first round pick on this dude in all formats, and that's simply not going to cut it. Now, we all know he has the pass catching ability, and it's going to have to be utilized in order to justify being selected ahead of almost, I mean, every wide receiver in the league in some cases. Some people were taking Mixon over Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams and Julio Jones and Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hopkins. And I didn't hate it. It seemed a little fishy, but I didn't hate it. You know, that was kind of the theme of this year was get your running back. You know, it was like hashtag running back no matter what in the first round. But if he's only going to get one catch or, or if he's only going to get two targets, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. I'm sorry. Like I, you know, in one of my most recent best ball leagues, I was at the turn and I started with Julio Jones and Devontae Adams and got roasted got straight roasted on Twitter because I didn't grab a running back. Well, you know what? Julio Jones and Devontae Adams are my wide receiver one and two on the season. And at least as of one week, you know, my other, you know, my only other options were Miles Sanders and Nick Chubb. And, you know, my week one would have been a lot less fun in that week had I went Miles Sanders and or Nick Chubb. But everything I just said about Joe Mixon can go to Austin Eckler as well. This dude only recorded one catch on one target for three yards. Now these guys both got plenty of work on the ground, that's fine. But in a world where a vast majority, the vast majority of fantasy leagues are some form of PPR, one catch for this dude ain't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. They got to be more involved. They have, like, That's why we drafted them as early as we did. Because they're going to rack up they should be racking up catchy. They should be, you know, inflating the reception totals. And one catch a piece, that's not going to do it. Now, let's wrap this thing up with the Sunday night game. Malcolm Brown, dude. Malcolm Brown gets 18 carries, <clears throat> three catches on four targets, for 110 total yards and two touchdowns. Cam Akers, 14 carries, one reception on one target for 43 yards. Daryl Henderson, three carries for six yards, zero receptions, zero targets. So, I guess I was kind of right 
that Cam Akers would be in a committee. I thought it would be a two-person committee committee with him and Daryl Henderson. I didn't think it would be one with him and Malcolm Brown. But Malcolm Brown looked good. Like he didn't just look like the veteran who got the, you know, benefit of the doubt and the first knot it carries. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, you know, 21 touches, 110 total yards, two touchdowns. That's a good game. And Dallas's defense may not be elite, but it's not bad. So, you know, they, they've got some good players on the defensive line there. Alden Smith looked good. Demarcus Lawrence is good. Leighton Vander Esch gets hurt. But, you know, they got Jalen Smith. They've got some players on that defense. And Malcolm Brown just looked good. Like, I don't think Malcolm Brown's going anywhere. I think he's going to be on the field. Sucks for Cam Akers, people. But, you know, I don't own Cam Akers anywhere because if you rewind to my, you know, remix and reshuffled rookie rankings episode, I had Cam Akers at the bottom half, like, I think eighth or ninth or something in the in my first round. Not of running backs, you know, eighth or ninth total. But I had some wide receivers ahead of him. No, I had Keyshawn Vaughn in the first round as well. And that doesn't seem very good right now. So just ignore that part, you know. After you hear me talk about Cam Akers, you know, just you, you can turn it off at that point if you want. Just fast forward past the Keyshawn Vaughn part. Um, yeah, this looks like, you know, I know Sean McVay said something about a three-person committee. Committee. It doesn't look like it's going to be a three-person committee. Looks like a two-person committee, especially if Malcolm Brown. If Malcolm Brown just keeps playing well, he's going to get work. If he, I mean, if he comes out and starts looking bad and Cam Akers starts looking good, then it's going to be Cam Akers' job. But if Malcolm Brown's playing well, he's not going anywhere. Now, the last couple of things that stood out to me on week one of 2020 was CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Now, Michael Gallup gets three catches on five targets for 50 yards. Okay, not the greatest day. CeeDee Lamb gets five catches on on six targets for 59 yards. Now, that's not much better, but that's respectable for a rookie, especially under the unique circumstances that 2020 has given us. You know, to out-target Michael Gallup and have more catches and more yards than Michael Gallup, you know, CeeDee Lamb's a special player. And he may not have looked special today. He may have looked like a rookie. But the fact of the matter is, is that this dude is special. And, you know, 59 yards, some people had to start CeeDee Lamb due to, you know, a Kenny Galladay injury or, you know, some of these other players that got hurt, you know, going into the week, into week one. You're not too upset. You know, you had to slot CeeDee Lamb in as your wide receiver three or maybe even a flex. And you got five catches for 59 yards. You can't be too upset at that. That's that's not terrible. You know, you're in full PPR league. He got you 10 points. And as a last minute, you know, bench promotion, you can't be mad at it. Now, I'm not saying CeeDee Lamb is going to outproduce Michael Gallup because you know, Michael Gallup did, you know, he should have, like, I don't know if you watched the game or not, but at the end of the game, Dallas is trying to drive to get into scoring position to tie it up. Dak throws a bomb to Michael Gallup. He pushes off of Jalen Ramsey a little bit, sure. Um, Ramsey sells it a little bit, 
you know, he flops just a little bit, just enough to make it seem genuine. It was a good flop. I'll give it to him. It was a good savvy flop. I mean, savvy enough. I don't even know flop is the right word. It was just like he just sold it a little bit. But he catches the ball. It was, I don't know, off the top of my head, it was probably a 35, 40-yard pass. That would have made Michael Gallup's day look a lot better. You know, now all of a sudden we're talking about four catches for, you know, almost 100 yards. Um, but I don't think there's much to worry about with Michael Gallup. Um, you drafted him likely as your wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver maybe as your wide receiver four, honestly. And I think we're going to be okay. Um, you know, 50 yards, that's not three catches, 50 yards. That's not great in terms of total points for your fantasy team. But you know what? That's going to happen. It's going to happen with every player at every position. You know, we can't all have, you know, Devontae Adams week once. Stuff like this is going to happen. But... That's going to wrap up this show. This is what stood out to me in week one. I appreciate you guys for coming in, for sticking around. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I've been your host, Derek Walmack, And as always, thanks for listening.